Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. We're in this series called Healthy Church, and Jeremiah 1 is where we're going to go uh, a little bit later. So if you want to go ahead and find your place in Jeremiah chapter 1, in this series called The Healthy Church, we've gone through a few things. We've been reading through Ephesians chapter 4, and that's where Christ gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to the church. We talked a little bit about how those, those are not titles, they're tools. Too many leaders in the church world today are wearing those as titles. I'm Apostle Rife Stewart. I'm whatever, whatever. Uh, and, and they're using them as titles, but those are not meant to be titles. They're meant to be tools. God gave those to the church so the church would be well-equipped and healthy. We talked about healthy churches have healthy leaders, and healthy churches have people who are submitted to healthy leaders. Doesn't mean that you're healthy all the time. You have to understand that you're generally healthy, but there are times that we do get sick. I consider myself a healthy person, but a few weeks ago, I felt some sickness coming on in my throat, and I just said, Mm-mm, nope, I rebuke that. I do not want any of that, whatever it was that was trying to come upon me. There are times in our lives spiritually where we're either going through attack or, or, or whatever it may be, and we may be um, spiritually sick, so to speak. We're going through a, a time of, of uh, attack or weakness, but it doesn't mean that overall you're unhealthy. Hopefully, those spiritual antibodies that are in your system will, will spring to life and will begin to attack those areas. And today, hopefully, I'm going to be able to share with you ways that we can attack those things when they, can, when they come up. We also talked about in Ephesians chapter 4, he says, live a life worthy of the calling to which you've been called. So every person in the church has a calling on their life. There's a purpose. You weren't just created to wake up in the morning, go uh, uh, work at a job that you hate, to come home, get your TV dinner, sit in the recliner, watch some Netflix, go to sleep, get up and do that over and over and over. That is not the life that we were meant to live. We were meant to live a life on purpose, with a purpose. We've been, we have a calling on our life, and too many of us are not living that life calling that he has uh, for us. We also talked about how a healthy church is a church where you see transformation happening. It's where, like, if I look at Joel today, in six months from now, I need to see a different Joel going forward, progressing in his walk. If I, if I see, uh, you know, I try to be careful who I call on because, uh, you know, I, I, I try to judge my relationship with people because all of a sudden, you know, you get somebody super intimidated. But Paul, I need to see a different version of you in six months from now. But Paul, you need to see a different version of me as well. And, you know, there are times where progression is so slow, you think it's not there. Yeah. I, I know that y'all... Some of y'all have wondered, is he stuck? How, is, is he going to get out of that place? But 
the deeper the place you get, the longer it takes for you to get out of it. Some, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes. But there have been times where it's like, you know, I can't require of you to be at a place of transformation if I'm not being transformed myself. Like healthy churches are where you see life change. Guys, if there's a place in your world that you don't see, it may, you know, any area of your life that you don't see transformation happening, you need to ask yourself, what's, what's wrong? What's holding me back? It could just be apathy or lethargy in your own life. Just a spirit of procrastination or apathy. And it's like, man, I'm telling you, I've, I, this is what I've told people. And please forgive me. I hope, God, please let me get to this part in the message today. There's a place in the message I, I want to go. Because a lot of people don't understand. First of all, there's a lack of knowledge of God's word in its fullness. Like we know there's a lot of people that they know a lot of word, but they know a lot of word about their dessert scriptures. They know a lot of word about their, their preferences. But the scripture says that we should know the word fully, to fully know the word, to be students of the word, he tells Timothy, rightly dividing the word of God. So we've got to know the word in context. We have to know the fullness of the word. And there's a, different people have different callings on their life for different things. And so when we're talking about a healthy church, a church that is seeing transformation take place, today I'm going to share with you a little bit about how transformation takes place. Last week with um, uh, Prophet Tony uh, from Mobile, from Truly Anointed Ministries, he came into this house, man, and I love it. Sometimes I'm like, I, God, I feel like I have to explain it. I don't know if I have to explain it, but I see things. I wonder, do the, do the other people see things? Does it even matter if they see these things? But he comes into the house, man. He, I have no idea what he's preaching. He has no idea what's going on here. He uses the very same scripture that I opened the service with. Not only that, but he uses another scripture in his message that we spent our entire volunteer rally really talking about. There's so many things how God pulls, pulls these things together. And the crux of his message was, he even said somewhere in his message, you know what, Pastor Rife, a healthy church is a mature church. And I'm like, does he know we're doing a series called The Healthy Church? Like, has he gone on our website? Has he listened to some messages? I don't, I don't know. But like he said, do y'all remember him saying that? He said, Pastor Rife, he said, I believe the Lord's saying a healthy church is a mature church. What's he talking about? A church that has been transformed. Like there's growth happening in our lives. And then he talked to us about, about how our words are so powerful about how there's life and death in the power of the tongue. That's the, that's the verse that we used uh, out there in rallies. It was, it was brought to rally is where our volunteers get together and pray and focus on the day. But we focused on that there. And then he, he spends so much time in this thing about the power of our decrees, the power of our declarations, the power of our words, because life and death, the scripture says, is in the power of the tongue. All right. So I want you to listen to this. There's four, uh, three words that God gave for us in 2022, for 2022. 
He gave in 2021, he gave us for 2022. Forward, advance, acceleration. Now, I'm going somewhere with this because those words are important. And many times, God will give us a prophetic word and then we will kind of forget it. If you ever give me a prophetic word, I'm prob- the, probably the very first question I'm going to ask you after you share it with me is, does anybody know? Write it down. Text it to me. Send it to me. Because nobody can give it like you can give it because God gave it to you for me. And then I'm going to take that word and I'm going to test that word. That's That's biblical. I'm going to test that word. Just because God gave it to you, I don't take it at face value. I take that word, and then I'll go test the word. I'll watch the word. Sometimes I watch the word for years. I've got a box at my house in my office that I have years of prophetic words in that, in that box. It's a very special box to me. And when people give me prophetic words... Now, don't let this hurt anybody's feelings. But when people give me prophetic words, I will take those words and, and there's a val- at the end of the day, there's a value on that word. But I will receive a prophetic word from, from one person and I will be able to grab that word faster than I will from someone else. All right? That hurt anybody's feelings? Hmm. The reason is because I know you, I know your life, I know your history, I know your faithfulness, I know your depth, but somebody whom I don't know that, I'll, I'll, have, to, I'll have to take this, and unless the Lord just quickens my spirit and says something to me right there, I take that word and I'll test it a little more. Because I don't have a history. It doesn't mean that I, I negate it. It doesn't mean that I shove it aside. And then there have been some times when total strangers have walked up to me and given me a word. That man, God instantly said, this is a word from me. Listen. There have also been times that somebody has walked up to me and given me a word and I did not like who God was giving it to me through. Now, it doesn't mean I didn't like the person, like, I don't like you, you just get on my nerves. It was a person that was fickle all over the place, and immediately as he began to give me the word, I'm like, man, you, you all over the place, you all over the place. And he gives me this word, And do you know, I took that word and I tested that word and that was a word from the Lord through that person. So you hear what I'm saying? Like, man, you got to test that stuff and you have to take what this, all of this, and you have to go, God, I submit this to the word. I submit this to the word. And sometimes it's instantly and sometimes it'll play out, out over a course. Am I making sense? I hope I'm making sense to you. So these words... Forward, advance, accelerate. For those of you who know the story, how these came, I was laying in my office in the floor and the Lord gave me the first two words, forward and advance. I thought those words were synonymous and so I just, the Lord didn't say anything. He said, these are are two words I want you to focus on for 2022, forward and advance. And I'm like, well, those sound like the same thing for me. Lord didn't say anything else. I moved on. Later, he revealed to me that those are not the same 
in meaning. Forward is the direction. Advance is the action. So you can look forward all day long and not move anywhere. But you have to take a step of faith. You have to move forward. And then um, um, I had a friend of mine that uh, Larry introduced me to, Paul. And he uh, came and did our men's retreat. And he, as soon as I asked him to do it, he said, man, the God has given me a word for you. I'm like, man, God just gave me a word a few days ago, uh, two of them. I want to see what his word is. And I'm like, I wonder, do they match? I wonder, you know, is it going to match up? You know, if, if, he, if he came to me and said, fruity, Lord just gave me fruity. That's all I got, man. I'm like, uh-huh, I don't see how those match up. But he said, I just have one word, acceleration. And wow, and I'm like, oh my gosh, forward is the direction, advance is the action, and acceleration is the speed at which it will happen. Come on, man. Isn't that awesome? So this is what I want you to do this morning. And uh, it's just kind of a, uh, let's, let's see. So this, I don't know, this might take five, five, ten minutes of our time this morning. And I want anybody who has, who has seen an advance or an acceleration in an area of your life, I want you to come and I want you to just stand down front in this area that we call the altar. I just want you to come. Um, some people don't even recognize that they've had an advance or an acceleration in their life. I've been ta- I said, do you realize what's happening in your world? Like that's a God advanced, man, he sped that up. Or have you seen any advance? And what I want us to do this morning is I want to honor the word of the Lord. And I, I appreciate, there are some people here that I don't know. Thank you all so much for being a part of what we're doing right here. But what's happening right here in this moment is that God is proving to us his word. Now, I mean, we could get a microphone and we can go down the line and we could say, what's your situation? What's your situation? All the way down. We're not going to do that because of time. But every one of you that are down front, you're saying to me that this year, even those ladies, I don't see any men yet, but even those ladies that are not a part of our local fellowship all the time, you're saying, Pastor Rife, this, has, this, this word might be for this house, but I've seen this happen in my life. So all of you have seen an advance in some area of your life. And all of you are saying that, wow, it, w- it, it kind of took me by surprise at how fast the development began to happen. I want you to continue to look for these areas that God is advancing you in. And so today what we're doing, basically why I have you here, is you are a living testimony that God is watching over his word to perform it. That's, what, that's in Jeremiah chapter 1 that hopefully I'll read to you a little bit later. But God says, listen, listen, listen. Oh my God, I love this. You know when he tells us, I want you, Jesus says, I want you to be sober be vigilant for your adversary walks about as a roaring lion. In Jeremiah 1, listen, God, he says, I am alert and active. In other words, God is sober and he's vigilant. 
watching over his word to perform it. That's why when we speak the word, when we put it on the screen like this, when we as a, as a church family, when we come back and say, hey, remember those words back in December of 2021? Let's don't forget those. Why? Because God is watching over his word to perform it. He is active and alert. He's not asleep. He is active and alert and causing these things to move forward in your life. And I'm just telling you, if there are people here in your world, if you've got some things going on in in your world, claim these words for yourself because this is a corporate speaking of the word. So Lord, I just want to thank you. Can we thank him? Lord, I just want to thank you for all of these folks that you have watched over your word to perform it, that you have watched over their bodies, that you've watched over their physical uh, uh, flesh, that you've performed the work, that you've accelerated a work, that you watched over their business, God, that you've accelerated some things in their families, you've accelerated some things in their ministries, God, you've accelerated some things in their calling, God, and it just came upon them suddenly, Holy Spirit, I thank you for watching over your word to perform it in this house. And we, as the body of Christ this morning, stand as a living testimony of God's goodness, of God's faithfulness in Jesus' name. Come on, can we just clap our hands and worship him? Come on, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Can I get, can I get you guys to do something? I want y'all to all scrunch right here in the center. Why do I want y'all to do that? I mean, everybody just move in front of each other. And the reason I'm, I'm getting you to do this is because I want the people of God who are watching us, who are watching us both today and they're going to be seeing this for months and weeks and years to come and in other countries that they're able to see this. Brian, they can't see you. They can't see Agnes. They can't see Larry. Y'all all have to scrunch that way. You, scrunch in. I mean, we're, it's like we're getting a big Jesus selfie right here. But listen, hey, if you're watching today, if you're watching today and you have a situation, I want to speak these words that God is wanting you to move forward, that he's wanting you to advance, which means you have to take a step of faith yourself and you watch how God will accelerate your situation. Amen. Come on. Come on. One more time. Thank you so much. Y'all can go back to your seat. Amen. Come on, man. That's good right there. That's good right there. Well, Here's what I want to leave you with today. A healthy church loves the word of God and lives the word of God. Can you say it with me? A healthy church loves the word of God and lives the word of God. James in his uh, book to us says, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. Like, we, we can't just listen to the word of God. Jesus had them. It irritates me sometimes when there are people that I know they're just listening. They're, you know, they're just listening. They're hearing. They're hearing. But there's little doing. You know how I know there's little doing? Proof. Transformation. If you, if you preach... 
the word, but little transformation happens. It may be happening. It might be happening at such a minuscule uh, increment that I don't see it. But the scripture says this, that we will bear much fruit. That's what, that's what the book of John tells us, that Jesus says we will bear much fruit. Like, we shouldn't have to like, hang on, let me see if I can see it. Stay, stand still for a second. You don't see it? I love it when my wife comes in and she says, what do you notice new? <laughs> Men, y'all ever have that happen? She's like, what do you notice new? And I'm like, mm, I love that blouse. It's like, seriously? <laughs> no. Hey, we should bear fruit and fruit should be bountiful. We should bear fruit. See, one of the things about the human nature is that we love, hear me, we love to dumb down expectations. Listen, I don't know who said it, somebody much smarter than me, but they said if you set a low expectation, people will meet it every time. Listen, that, the expectation is high. The expectation is high. When you are maturing in Christ, man, we're supposed to be operating in the gifts of the Spirit. We're supposed to be prophetic people. We're not supposed to, we're not supposed to need to be cheerled, you know, during worship. And when I say cheerleading, I'm on cheerlead every time I, I'm uh, on the worship team. Why? Because I'm going to worship, and I'm just going to lead us there. You can go if you want, but I'm going there. I'm going there, and I'm not going to say a whole lot about what you're not doing. You've seen those leaders. It's like, come on, y'all got to get with it. Y'all, God deserves better than this. And, you know, you, you, know, you feel them, they got the spiritual whip out, and they're just whipping the crowd. Well, that certainly makes you want to worship. No, I'm just telling you, man, I'm going there. I am going. You can go with me if you want to. You can stay where, where you are. But listen, as a person, I have transformed from a person who I didn't even know what worship was to I was embarrassed to raise my hands to the place of, listen, ain't nobody ever going to have to uh, engage me in worship. I am going to worship with my whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. I, and, and some of y'all have seen me. I've worshiped at some of my lowest points, my, my worship never waned. Why? Because that's what mature believers do. My community, well, you're the pastor of the church. Well, I, I get it, but you understand there are pastors that leave ministry because of the places that they are. There are pastors that give up. I can give you some names of some of my friends who, who have. It's all about a place of maturity. I, my giving never, not once, at Shay and I's lowest point, my giving never, never we, did we ever say, well, we're just not gonna be able to give in this season. Why? Because we had reached a place of transformation and maturity in our life, that faithfulness is who we were. Why were we doing this? Because not only did we love the word of God, we lived the word of God in all of those areas of our life. So a healthy church is a church that loves the word, but it lives the word of God. Listen to me, church family. There, we are living in a world that loves the word of God. We, we are. We are, living, we are living in a day and time where you can get the most eloquent, the most radical, I mean, it's a buffet of pastors. 
It's a buffet of teaching. Whereas, you know, 30, 40 years ago, you did not have that. You had the pastor that you had, and that was it. You had, you, I mean, you had the folks on TV. But it's mainly your pastor. But now you can pull up and you can find the greatest minds, the greatest preachers. You can find the best motivational speakers on the planet. It's right there. Carried around in your pocket. And we have people that, man, we love to post quotes and we love to post scriptures and we love to do all of this. We have a world that loves the word of God. My God, did you hear T.D. Jakes preach? My God, did y'all see that Stephen Furtick video? My God, did you see blah, 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 fill in the blank? Did you see this? My God, it was so powerful. It's so powerful and we just love it and we'll post it and we'll do all of these things. But here's the thing. James says, oh, my friends, oh, my friends, we cannot just love the word of God, but we must do the word of God. Ephesians chapter four, when he says to us, live a life worthy, what was of of the calling to which you have been called? What is he saying? He's saying, brothers and sisters, do the word. Live the word that you love so much. So as we live the word of God, as we love the word of God, and we make these two the same, because you can love the word of God and not live the word of God. And when I say love, I'm not talking about, uh, you know, we have all these different words for love. Well, I love pizza. I love my wife. I love my vehicle. I love my job. I, you know, when I say we love the word, I'm not talking about a sold out dedication to it because I love my wife like I love no other person on the planet, not even my children. I love her. There are things that I will do only for her. There are things that I will restrain from because of my love for her. It's, it's a tr- the truest type of love that I can know as a human being towards another person. That's the kind of love that I'm talking about. A healthy believer, a mature believer, loves the word of God. If you want to uh, really know the kind of love that I'm talking about, would you just go read Psalm, is it Psalm 119? That's David's love. Uh, Man, he's just gushing with love. Oh, how I love thy law. How I love your word. How I love your instruction. It is life to me. I mean, man, it is a gushing love letter about the word of God. That's what it is. And so I remember as a kid, when I was growing up, I grew up just in a house full of heathens. We were just all rednecks. We didn't have any Jesus whatsoever. My parents were good, moral people. But if they had died and gone to hell, they, uh, or if they had died, they would have gone to hell because they knew not God. They had no relationship with God. And so my first expression with church was not the day that my parents took me to church when I was 15. My first expression uh, in church happened when I was about in the fourth grade. But my first 
that I can recall. My very first interaction with God's word was in second grade. My teacher was named Miss Edwards. She was teaching us the classroom rules and um, the, the golden rule. Does anybody know what it is? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But that's not how she phrased it in the classroom. So she's got this little heathen second grader, all right? I mean, just heathen child. And she's like, Rife, I did something and it wasn't very nice. And she said, now, Rife, is that how you would like to be treated? And I thought about it. Nobody had ever, uh, you know, positioned that question to me. And I'm like, no, ma'am. And she said, Rife, in this class, we treat other people how we want to be treated. It's the golden rule. She said, if you can remember that rule your whole life, you'll go places. I'm like, okay. I remembered that. I had no clue she was teaching me the word of God. Had no clue. All right. So Miss Edwards, second grade. First time in my life that I recall ever having any exposure to the word of God. Do you see what that teacher did? A reflection of God's glory to little uh, second grade Rife. Okay. She didn't break out the Bible and thump it. She didn't come across as like, well, I'm a Christian. Are you a Christian, Rife? I want to lead you to Jesus. She didn't come across any of that. Now, if she had done that, you know, that would have been okay, I guess. But she didn't do any of that. But she planted a seed in me that, man, it resonated. All right. So little second grade Rife graduates, and he's uh, third grade Rife, fourth grade Rife. And I start going to church on a bus. They pick us up in our neighborhood with my buddies down the street. I remember in a vacation Bible school that we did this little craft. And this craft, I can remember now it was, um, hang on, it'll come back to me. The, it was a plaque, plaster of Paris, and we painted it. And I took it home and gave it to my heathen mama, who's probably watching today. We were not saved. You know what my mom did? She hung that in our kitchen, and it stayed there for years. Bunch of heathen folks. Like we don't, none of us know Jesus, but we have a scripture. And it's in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct thy paths. All right? So, so guess what? I'm at that vacation Bible school and little fourth grade Rife is going out to the bus. And on my way, I'm like, hey, Miss, Miss Edwards, Miss Edwards. Little did I know that my second grade teacher went to that church. Are you seeing a pattern here? Somebody planted. Oh my God, do you know that what, what must she have felt like? Wow. I wonder, did she even realize it? But wow, I planted some seeds and look, look at that little sprout. Look at that little sprout that is growing up. All right, so that, that's really two of the earliest times that I remember the, the word of God being sowed into me when I didn't even ask for it. I didn't even ask for it, but I received it. I received it to the degree to which I could. And so when we're talking about, you know, a healthy church and a, a love for God's word, that's the first time that I remember the word going forth over my life. And I received it and something happened in me. And God, I believe, germinated that word. And look at these things. Second Timothy, Paul is telling Timothy in chapter 3. 
He says, all scripture, Timothy, is God-breathed. That's important. It's God-breathed. In other words, every time you speak, there's breath going out. Uh, air passes up from your lungs over your vocal cords. And, and somehow God has created our body just to know uh, uh, involuntarily how to uh, position all of these parts of our throat and vocal cords to, uh, to, to move in such a way that... The air, are you following me? Is that not amazing? Like, if we don't have air and those vocal cords and parts of our body are not working together, there's nothing that comes out. But God breathed all scripture that comes up out of our mouth. All scripture is God breathed. And it's useful for these things. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the word, this, all of it is God breathed. We cannot cherry pick the word. We cannot. I was recently in a conversation, a dialogue with somebody online, um, and I had posted on somebody else's, uh, some minister's thing, and there was, it was about abortion. And, um, and, and so I, I just, you know, whatever comment I made, and this person that I don't know who they are, it's just some person in the world, they quickly threw out a couple of scriptures, and they said, uh, well, what about this? And I said, uh, hey, man, thank you for bringing that up. So I said, let's look at that because that scripture has nothing to do with our topic. And I said, but let's look at that. And so they're like, you know, scripture's so misogynistic. And I'm like, no, scripture's not misogynistic. Scripture just tells a story. Are you following me? Scripture is is God-inspired history. It's a record of history. So you have to go to the word. Let's dig it out. Let's see. So I'm, I'm like, I'm having this online Bible study and we take, we take it off of here. Now we're in messenger. So we're having this online Bible study. And so they're like, well, let me ask you this. What does it mean here? That's, that's uh, fan. Don't worry about it. Rapture's not coming. I promise you. That, that wasn't Gabriel's trumpet. I promise you. It's going to be louder than that. So we're, we're off-site in Messenger having this discussion about the word. And we can't pick and choose. This person had picked and chosen certain scriptures that didn't even apply. And it's like, man, if you want to get down into this, we can talk about this. But you can't spit stuff out without really knowing what you're talking about. Like you got to know what you're talking about. And every one of us, not just theologians, every one of us has the power, the freedom, and the access to know what the word says. So look at what 2 Timothy says. It says that all scripture is profitable for teaching. I'm doing some teaching to you today. 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. We're gonna get there probably next week. But he uses those three chapters to speak to us about the spiritual gifts. 
And so he's basically sharing with the, uh, with the church at Corinth. He's sharing with them basically information that they need to know and how to operate in the gifts of, of the Spirit, what gifts of the Spirit there, there are. So it's basically information transfer that he's sharing with them. There's also, it's also good for rebuking. Now, I know we don't like to get rebuked. I don't, I don't like to get rebuked. I've been rebuked before. It's not fun, but it's good for rebuking. But here's the thing is that sometimes we may be rebuked, but we need to also be the rebuker. That's what Jesus was in the wilderness when the enemy came to him. He rebuked him with what? The word. He rebuked him with the word every time the enemy came to Jesus. Listen, my friend. If the enemy has the chutzpah to walk right up to Jesus and tempt the son of God, who he knew he was superior, he knew he was his creator, yet he still walked up and said, if you are, dude, you know who I am. You know who I, you were there when I created you. If you are, and every time Jesus like, listen, I ain't got to prove myself to you. All I have to say is it is written, it is written, and he's rebuking the enemy. But then there's also Paul in Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. Paul meets up. They're all out eating Sunday dinner somewhere in Antioch. And they, they, they're, as they're eating dinner, Peter's over here with his buddies who are uh, the, the uh, Judaizers, the ones who are all about the religion and the rules and the, man, if you're not circumcised, you're not truly part of the body of Christ. And Paul is over here going, what are you doing? Like, what? I, I hear y'all's conversation. What do you, Peter, what are you doing? And he rebukes him in public. He doesn't do it to embarrass him. He does it to prove a point. I'm telling you, I've read that scripture before and I'm like, I don't ever, I don't, I don't it doesn't seem honoring. <laughs> you know what? The enemy will make you think you're honoring a lot of times when you're not honoring, you're just being a wuss. You are, you are allowing the enemy to intimidate you from being the mouthpiece of God. But it's dishonoring. It's dishonoring. I'm just telling you, I had a problem with that scripture because I'm like, man, Paul, he, he's just being ignorant now. He could have he taken Peter off to the bathroom and they could have had that, you know, Man on man at the you know at a at a later time or whatever, but no, Paul needed to make a point. And listen, for y'all, we don't understand the context of what they were dealing with in that century and that time with circumcision. Now we all, you know, most most everyone has their adult males circumcised at birth. That was a spiritual thing for them. It was a spiritual thing. And it was, it was like us approving of some things in our time today where we are at a place where is this a mountain that we have to die on? Now, Pastor Rife, I'd really get nervous when you start talking about stuff like this because you're gonna offend somebody and you're gonna, you know, there's a sector of society that you're gonna listen, 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 listen. My friend, 
There are times to be quiet and there are times to speak. And there are times when it's like, I'm sorry if this hurts your feelings. I'm not telling you something I don't experience on a daily basis with me and my family personally and different parts of it. But this is the word of God. This is not what Rife says. This is not, this is not what your brother says. This is not what your uncle says. This is not what your son uh, uh, says. This is what the word of God says. And Paul was at that place with Peter where this was a major division, a schism in the church that was going to divide it. And he said, Peter, you know better. You are the head. You are, you know, and I don't know if he knew it at that time, but he's like, you will rise to be the head of this church. He's like, you, if you don't get yourself straight, Peter, you are going to lead the whole movement that we were a part of the initial founding apostles. You're going to lead this whole thing astray. Peter, you've got to stop this. And he rebuked him to his face in front of those people because there was a need and a time for that. The scripture says it's useful for rebuking. You understand rebuking is not dishonoring. Why, you sorry, you call yourself a preacher. You call yourself an apostle. My God, Peter, you, good Lord, why did he ever choose you, you sorry fisherman? You deserted him three times. I mean, my God, Peter, you're pathetic. Do you understand? That's not a rebuke. That's dishonor. A rebuke keeps it on the word. Are you following me? A rebuke. It's not personal, keeps it on the word. It's not personal, keeps it on the word. So it's good for rebuke. It's good for correction. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1 says this. He also, um, I think I've got that one for the, for the last one. I'll save that one. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he says it like this. He says, brothers and sisters, now, concerning your questions about spiritual gifts. So they've been asking questions like, hey, how does, that, how does that prophecy thing work? How does the discernment thing work again? Can you tell us? Because what was happening is they were operating in the gifts of the Spirit in the Corinthian church, and they had chaos. And so uh, Paul comes back in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and he says, hey, about spiritual gifts, I don't want you to remain ignorant I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to have any misunderstanding. And so he goes through and he begins in chapter 12, 13, 14. He lays out how the gifts of the spirit operate. He lays out what's in order. He lays out what's out of order. So it's a point of correction. They were already operating in it. You understand? They were already operating in the gifts of the spirit. He had already told them that. But now he's writing to correct some, in, uh, some, some uh, thinking and some theological training that, that they needed to beef up and mature in. So it's good for correction. And then the last thing it says is it's good for training. First Thessalonians th uh, 4, 13 through 7, Paul is training the, the, uh, the Thessal uh, Thessalonians 
at the church of Thessalonica, he's training them about end time events and what happens because there was some question among them like, well, when do we go to heaven? Do we go to heaven immediately? Uh, is, you know, the purgatory, there's all kinds of different, uh, they didn't call it that, but you know, the, the, the place of waiting, you know, what, what about, and Paul says this in Thessalonians, he says, listen, I don't want you, he uses that word again. He said, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning the hope of those who die in Christ. So he begins to lay out what happens and he goes through. Those who die in Christ will go to the grave. And he says, those who remain, if we are here when the, uh, when the archangel of God, uh, you know, comes to return at Christ's return, he'll sound that trumpet that I alluded to a few minutes ago when the air conditioning made that sound. At the trumpet call of God, those who are in the ground, they will rise to be with Christ first, and then we will meet them in there. He's doing basically an eschatological training for them. So the scripture is good for teaching, rebuking, correction, and training. And here's why it's important to know the word, guys. The scripture says, your word, O Lord, have I hidden in my heart heart. Basically, your word I've stored in my heart so that when you rise against situations, there will be word there for you to fight those situations. See, what happens to us so many times is we get out in the middle of a desert like Jesus was. We'll get out in the middle of a desert and then comes along the enemy and we do not have the word in us to to fight off the, the offender. Are you following me? Like we've got to have the word in there. If the enemy lies to you, do you understand? The enemy is the father of lies. He goes about and that's his daily business to kill, steal, destroy, to to sow lies. And if you and I do not know who we are in Christ, when he tells us who we are, we many times believe that's who we are. That's why it's important to know, what does the word of God say about me? What does the word of God say about the the spirit of discernment? Because as we'll maybe get into next week, the spirit of discernment is the ability to tell the difference between Satan's voice and God's voice. They sound the same many times. The voice of the enemy and the voice, the voice of, of God many times sounds the same. Satan doesn't come to us looking and sounding as horrible and repulsive. Repulse means push away, as repulsive as we can be. No, he comes to us really to present himself like God so that he can, you know, we will receive what he has and we need this word down inside of us so that when we experience these situations, I'm telling you, I've walked into hospital rooms, I've walked into places and I've seen people and I've looked at them and I've said, my God, how in the world are you even still sane? How are you even still standing? And you know why? These were people of, of just strong faith, full of the word. That is what sustained them. So as we look at these, teaching, rebuking, correction, and training, I want you to go to Jeremiah chapter one. Jeremiah chapter one. Here we are, we're reading the prophet. And this is actually Jeremiah, as God calls him to be a prophet. This is his first vision. It's his first call to ministry, all right? So I want you to understand the context that we're reading this from. We're not talking about a major prophet. 
We're not talking about an experienced prophet. We're not talking about somebody who's used to giving dreams and visions and, and prophetic words and interpretations. We're not, we're, this, this guy has been called by God, but he is a novice in every sense of the word. But church, listen to me. This is important if you can catch this. It does not matter if he's never had a first prophetic dream. It does not matter if he's never, uh, uh, his first call. God's call is just that. It's that. Regardless, if you graduate from the law school and you, you uh, pass the bar, you are as much a lawyer as somebody who has 50 years experience on you. Are you following me? Yeah. You might not have the experience. You may not have the pedigree. You may not have the finesse. It may not come to you easily, but if God has called you, if there's a purpose, then you are as much as any other person at any other age. You're fixing to see that right here, all right? So let's look at Jeremiah chapter one, and I'm gonna start reading at verse nine. Then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm gonna read at verse four. All right, so let's go back up there. The Lord gave me this message. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Man, just stop there for a second. Go back to Ephesians chapter four. Not, not literally, just in your mind. Go back to Ephesians chapter four. Live a life worthy of the call to which you have been called. When were you called? You were called in the womb. You were called in the womb, all right? That you were purposed in the womb. Why, why? Oh, Jesus, man. Do you see how easily I can get off on abortion? Because that is when you were called. That is when you are purposed. That is when, when you, when, listen, man, I'm telling you, God help me. I don't even, I got to get off of it. Verse six, he says, oh, sovereign Lord, I cannot speak for you. I am too young. So what's he done? He's bought into a lie. He must have seen a bunch of old bald headed prophets. You know what I'm saying? You know, he, he, the prophets that he's seen don't look like him. They don't talk like him. They, they don't operate like him. And so what he's done is he's bought into a lie that, I mean, the God of creation of the universe who just spoke to you that says, man, I called you in the womb. Like I saw you in there. I ain't looking at this. I saw you, man, you think you look too young now? You were really too young then. You're just this little clump of cells. He's like, but listen, he said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. The Lord replied, don't say I'm too young for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people for I will be with you and I will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. I, I love that. You know, it's like, I wonder how that sounded. It's got an exclamation point behind it in my Bible. The Lord says, I, the Lord, have spoken. Do you hear me? It's done. Like, I ain't gonna say it again. I've spoken. 
You know what that, mama, if you're watching, you know what that amounts to? Boy, you heard what I said. That's what that amounts to. Boy, you heard what I said. I ain't going to say it again. I ain't going to say it again. Because you knew if she said it again, well, she ain't going to say it again. You know what's going to happen. That shoe is going to be flying across the room at the speed of light at your head. That's what's going to happen. And the Lord says right here, do not say you're too young. He said, I have spoken. And then verse 9 says, then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, look, oh my God, I have put my words in your mouth. Come on, church. Some of y'all got to get this. Well, preacher, I ain't, I ain't a Bible guy like you. Man, you know who you are? You're Jeremiah saying you're too young. You're Jeremiah saying, well, I ain't like you, preacher. I, ain't gonna, I, didn't, get, I didn't get into theology school, preacher. Oh, dude, please don't dumb yourself down like that. Please don't. Don't diminish. Don't diminish his work. You were fearfully and wonderfully made and purposed and called. And you will reach people that I can't reach. I've had people to say, preacher, I want you to go with me. And I want you to talk to these people. And, and they're wanting me to go witness to them. And I, and I go. And I go. And you know what? I don't match them. So we go there. And we're sitting down, and they're wanting me to witness to them, but I can't witness to them because I don't match them. You understand the New Testament writers, they all went and wrote and ministered to different people. That's why Peter was with the Greeks. That's who he felt most at home with. Peter, Paul is over here with the heathen folks because that's who he was most comfortable with. And when I'm with those folks, I'm like, I tell them, I'm like, listen, I know you don't believe it, but the guys on this site, you are their prophet, not me. You are the voice of God in your mouth, not me. I've had people when I lived in Atlanta, I want you to come to my business and I want you to, I want you to really witness to them. And I go to their places of business and I can leave them with something, man. I can leave you with something. But I walk out and I'm like, but you, you understand, you're wanting me to do something that God put you there for. Like, the word of God is in your mouth. I have put my word in your mouth, says the Lord to Jeremiah. God is saying to you, listen to me. God is saying to you, he has put his word in your mouth. And guys, I'm telling you, I know a lot of times people want the preacher to come and share the word. And it's like, man, it's going to sound so much better coming out of your mouth than my mouth. It's going to sound so much better coming out of your mouth. It's going to be more powerful coming out of your mouth. And it doesn't mean that I can't minister in those settings at certain times, but there is an anointing that needs to be upon me for those people to be able to receive it. So he says, I have put my words in your mouth. Look at verse 10. He says, today I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms, my God. He said, today I appoint you, Jeremiah. No other prophet, no other more learned prophet, no other skilled prophet. I, I, you, you, young Jeremiah, you, 
God is saying to this church today, he's saying he's appointed you to be a voice at the vet, at the uh, veterans hospital. He's appointed you to be a voice piece to those young men. He's appointed you to be a voice piece to that little one that you just took in. He's appointed you, wherever you are, you have the word of the Lord in your mouth. That's why life and death is in the power of the tongue. The things that we are speaking, speak and create life or death. And he says, I put my words in your mouth. Today you have been appointed, stand up against nations and kingdoms. And then look at this. Some of you must uproot and tear down, destroy and overflow. Others you must build up and plant. I I want us to not rush past this. Some you must uproot and tear down, destroy and overflow. Others you must build up and plant. Listen to me, church. We, as the body of Christ, have got to understand and discern what are the things that we have to uproot? What are the things that have to be destroyed? What are the things that have to be gotten rid of? And what are the things that we need to build up? What are the things that we need to encourage? Listen, if you are a person that you're constantly, you know, man, I'm telling you, I don't like it when... There are prophets. They, they don't fully understand the, the, the true prophetic call on their life. I don't care if you disagree with me or not. It's your right to disagree. But you have to go look at and study it out in the word. And I've done that. When a prophet is doom and gloom, And everything is end times. I'm all about end times. Because guess what? We're all going to end up there. Either in life or death. But we're all going to have some participation in end times. But when the prophet comes in and he's constantly doom and gloom and everything. I'm telling you, when Shay and I were raised in the church, I hated when prophets came to our church. They really were evangelists that thought they were prophets. But you know what I'm saying? They didn't understand the call of the prophet. But I hated it, man, because I'm like, oh, God, I don't, I'm sitting at the back. And I'm sitting behind the fat lady because I don't want nobody to see this little scrawny kid. Because he's going to call me out. I had a lot of sin in my life. I don't want him calling me out and reading my business and calling my phone number out. And everybody, you know, blah, 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 blah. Listen, listen. At the end of the day, prophets bring alignment and they encourage the body of Christ. That's what the spirit of prophecy is. It's the spirit of encouragement. You don't believe me? You just go read right in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. It is, it is not all about, it's not all about the end times eschatological fear that we've all got. Listen, I'm telling you what you're a believer, you should have no fear about the end times. Yeah. I, listen, I don't care if you're pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, no-trib, whatever. You know, I, I don't care about all of those theological positions. Because at the end of the day, if I go before, hoorah. If I go in the middle, he'll be my strength. And if I go after it, 
I just get to see more of the show here on earth. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, I don't care. It doesn't matter. But when it comes down to it, you know, we, there are times when as prophetic people, if you walk around and you're always doom and gloom, mm-mm, that's not balanced. But then over here on the other side of that, if you're all about the Lord just wants us to live a blessed life and comfortable and the AC to never go out on our vehicle and, you know, for all of our needs to be met and, you know, just be in the glory cloud forever. And we never leave this room. It's all in the glory. You know, there's no suffering for Christ and, oh, it's just awesome, you know. And let's just don't even, like, don't even focus on sin and any of that stuff that's going on in the world and the culture and all of that. Let's just sing great songs about, you know, just make us feel good. That is not, my friend, that is not balanced. He says, the word of God says that there are going to be times that you are going to have to call it out as you see it. You're not demeaning. You're, you're not trying to, you're not, you're not trying to, you know, embarrass anybody, but you can, listen, what am I telling you? I'm telling you because I did this yesterday. Very calm phone call, very calm, but I was bringing correction and I said, I know that's what you want to do. I know that's what you want to do. I know that's what you even think is good. If you go study the word, I said, I would love for you just to go study. Here are two or three places you can go in scripture. If you go study the word, I would love to have a conversation with you after you go study it out and pray. Go study it out. Come back to me and let me. That was reproof. That was me saying to someone, hey, I love you. But your heart, that's not the heart. That's not the right heart. Well, I don't feel like I, I'm like, and I get that. I totally understand that that's how you feel. But feelings, we are not feeling led. We are spirit led. So man, could I just ask you, go look at the word, go look at the word and then say, God, is my heart matched up to this? And I didn't even leave it with, um, come back and tell me what you think. I left it with this. I said, go look at that, go study it out, go pray with it, and you will see that you're wrong. You will see that you're wrong. I love you, but you're wrong. That is the wrong place to be. And so he says, there are times we're gonna build up. There's going to be times that we plant. But there's also going to be times that we unroot, we tear down, we destroy. And then it goes on to say, then the Lord said to me, look, Jeremiah, what do you see? And Jeremiah replied, I see the branch of an almond tree. And then the Lord said, that's right. And it means that I'm watching and I will certainly carry out my plans. Then the Lord spoke to me again and said, what do you see now? And I replied, I see a pot of boiling water spilling from the north. And the Lord said, yes. He said, for terror from the north will boil out on all people of this land. And then he says in verse 15, listen, Jeremiah, I am calling the armies of the kingdoms of the north to come to Jerusalem. I 
the Lord have spoken. He's saying, listen, I'm calling this to happen. Verse 12 is amazing. He said, it means I'm watching and I'll certainly carry out my plans. In the King James Version, it says, I'm watching over my word to perform it. This is what I want you to do today. I want, what, do you, what do I want you to do with this word? So you can either listen to it or you can put it into practice. That James 1.22, be a doer of the word. Like what can you do with this word? I think one of the things that you can realize is the power of God in your mouth. God's spirit. God's not physical. God is spirit. It says all scripture is God-breathed. You remember when I talked about that breath coming up out of you. When the breath of, of the that comes over your vocal cords and you form the words, this word. When you form declarations, life is coming out of you and you're speaking it over situations. Listen to me, church family. Please listen to me. You are somebody's answer to prayer. You are somebody's prophetic word. You are somebody's prophetic word. You have the word of God in your mouth. Say it. I've got the word of God in my mouth. The word of God is in your mouth. The word of God is in your mouth. And what needs to happen is you need to release the word of God over situations in your world, both personally and publicly. There are people in your life you need to release the word of God over. And do you know what God is doing? I don't understand why he, cert why he works in certain ways. But he says, I'm watching over my word to see if Tim is going to do this today, if Larry's going to do this today, if Sandra's going to do this today, if James is going to do this today, if Zuri's going to do this today, are you going to release the word? I'm just watching. Man, come on. I'm just watching for somebody to release the word because I'm just watching. As soon as you say it, I'm going to perform it. I'm telling you what, man, that excites me to the point of I'm going to just be speaking the word. Lord, I need that property. Uh, Lord, we need this for this. Lord, they need to be delivered from that. God, this person needs a job. Just whatever. Just speaking the word of the God, you're our provider. God, you're my defender. God, you are, are, are my savior. God, you're my refuge. God, you're my healer. All of these things we declare over our situations. And he's looking to perform based upon that. So how can you live this word out? I've got a lot of practical ways to do this on the screen behind me in just a second. A lot of very practical ways that you can walk out of here and you can do something with this so that you can see transformation in your life because a healthy church is a church full of transformed people. I want to be one of those. Amen. Say this with me. A healthy church loves the word of God and lives the word of God. Look, how can I apply it? Activate it this way. Let your life mirror the Logos. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Do you understand? Oh my God. The word was God. The word is God and the word was God. The word, this is the word. He is the living word. Do you understand that when you speak out of your mouth in faith believing that you are speaking God? 
I don't know about y'all, but that blows my mind. God is coming out of my mouth. The Logos is coming. I'm speaking him into the air on my job site. I'm speaking him into the air in a hospital room where they said, you, there's no hope. We're going to do the best we can. I, I'm speaking him every time we speak. That's why it's so important. Like Pastor Tony spoke to us last week that we speak the word of God. It got to come out of our mouth. You can't think it. You can't just think it. It's activated. Let your life mirror the Logos. Don't just hear it, but live that life. Look at this. Subscribe to a daily devotion. Dude, that's just practical thing. Pastor Rife, I just can't get into the word. I just don't feel like I'm equipped or whatever. Can I just ask you to take a baby step? Hey, listen to me. Forward is getting deeper in the word. Forward is getting deeper in the word. Pastor Rife, I just, I've tried it, man. And it just don't work for me. Can I just take, ask you to take a baby step? Subscribe to a devotion that'll come to you every day. And you look at it, and it's like, your word is like honey on my lips. It's like water to my soul. How refreshing are you, O Lord, to my spirit. It might say two or three little blurbs behind it, but if it's just that, what have you done? You've gotten a new word in your spirit. You're speaking it over your life. But guess what? That's just a baby step. It's a vital step, but it's a baby step. You can't stay there or you won't be transformed, okay? And here's the next thing. You can get involved in a small group. In a small group, there's so many things. We don't have a ton of small groups at our church, but we do have some. But can I just tell you this? There are so many people at our church that you don't even come to those. I'll tell you what, man, there's some amazing times. I lead uh, two of them. Cheryl leads another one. It's monthly. I'm telling you, get involved in those. You will grow deeper in the word and you'll grow deeper in community of people who can build you up. Get involved in a small group. It'll help you grow in the word. Take notes. I don't know how many people take notes in this church, but I know there are about four of you. Because I see you posting them. I see you writing. I'm telling you what, your, your retention of what goes on, man, I tell you what, we had an amazing service. It was powerful. It's mighty God. It was awesome. Sister Ethel fell out on the floor. Dude, can I just tell you, if you, Sister Ethel falling out in the floor is what you took away from it, Holy God, man, you need to take away some Logos and you need to activate some Logos and praise God, Sister Ethel fell out on the floor because she needed it. Y'all know her, you know, but take notes. Your, your, your knowledge increases when you take notes. Plus, you can go back and you can read it again and then study the word in depth. I took the guys that I mentor and I introduced them to some Bible study tools that it's like, they didn't know. They had no idea. And I'm like, man, these are such simple little tools for you to go deeper in the word. So what was I doing? I was teaching them to go beyond uh, 
a, a devotion subscription, which is good. I have those. They inspire me. They speak to me many times. It's like, God, look at you speaking to me through this devotion in my situation. But I inspired them to go beyond that, to be transformed into a more mature believer by now going deeper in the word. So these are some ways that if you want to, you can walk away. And this is probably the smartest person in the universe said this. See if you can guess who it was. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Go and be transformed.